We're closing our uh, recent sermon series on finding joy in the journey this morning. How is it you and I can hold on to our joy in the midst of a busy life, maybe in the midst of struggles? How is it you and I can hold on to our joy? Think about this letter. Think about the struggle of holding on to joy in the midst of what we know about Paul. What do do you know about this letter? Where is it written? Now there's some debate among scholars about which location, but it's written from prison. This is one of the, the prison epistles. So Paul's writing, we believe, from his first imprisonment. And you go and it's the same kind of word in Ephesians. I'm an ambassador in chains. Or Colossians 4.18, remember my chains. Every word we read in this epistle and those epistles should be read understanding. Either he's under house arrest or like Colossians, I am chained. I am imprisoned. How do you hold on to your joy in that? But it goes even further back. How did we even get to this town? Do you remember Acts 16? It's been set in Paul's heart. I want to go take the gospel to Asia, but it's the Lord who's the Spirit who shuts the door. Now, we've said before in this series, all we want is to be in the center of God's will. And so God shuts the door, and you've got to know that had to be hugely disappointing for Paul. But what does Paul say? Yes, I defer. And, and he's got the vision about Macedonia, so he goes to the leading city of Macedonia. Here he is at Philippi, and you know the story in Acts 16 of what happens when he gets there. Amazing miracles, amazing ministries, but it costs some people in that city. And because of that, they take Paul, they beat him with rods. The Greek word is they beat him over and over and over, and then they put him in prison. A prison epistle. That's, that's, that's where he's writing to this church. A prison is how he started his ministry with these people. And you know what they called this epistle? They called a couple of things. But you, know, you know what the main title is? The epistle of joy. Prison and prison. Disappointment and beating joy. And it's, it's on almost every page of this short epistle. It's a reminder to us as believers, no matter the circumstance, we can not only hold on to joy, but I'll borrow from Paul in Galatians, we have to have it. Again, it's not an emotional response, but it's a spiritual reality that you and I can hold on to our joy even in the midst of real struggle because not only all those things we've talked about over these weeks because we're forgiven in Christ uh, because because we know we have heaven waiting for us all those reasons but but Paul would remind the church in Galatia it's it's a fruit of the spirit you can't just pick and choose can't say I'm going to be good and I'm going to love everybody but it's a reminder when the it's not like spiritual gifts where the Lord might give us one gift or two it's it's love It's joy. It's got to be kindness. 
It's got to be gentleness. It's got to be self-control. All fruit of the Spirit is to be on display in our life. And you just see it here with Paul, who's taken it on the chin, and yet what you get in almost every sentence is joy. So if you're a note-taker, you can look at your notes in your bulletin, but we want to look at three quick ways that Paul reminds us you and I can hold on to our joy, especially in this context, when we're up against the wall, when it's a real season of struggle or maybe a season of dryness or busyness, how is it we hold on to our joy? And you already know the first answer from Paul. It's the joy of Christ. You just hold on to him. You just see that over and over again. I've given you a couple of verses here, but it's the joy of Christ. My mom gave me a New American Standard open study Bible when I was in high school. And I still hold on to that Bible. I used to preach from it, but I've just got too much mess in, mess in it from writing too much in it. But in the study notes for this letter, it says that Paul, in these four short chapters, talks about either a name or title or some activity of Jesus 50 times. Imprisoned, and we're just going to see in a minute all the other struggles, health struggles, relationship struggles, church struggles. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Over 50 times. For you and I to have a life like this, to have a, have a joy like this, when there's not just hurt, get to chapter 2. I encourage you to go back and read this short book. There's real temptation. There's real temptation to, to follow after the lusts and the pleasures of this, of this world, or this real temptation just to do things on your own and, and resort back to legalism. Paul again just says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hold on to him. He will be the source of your joy. Paul says back in chapter 3, 8, I count all things to be loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do not count them but refuse that I may gain Christ. Through struggles, through real hardships, or maybe again, as I said, even through Maybe because of our busyness or just a season of dryness, I'm going to hold on and I'm going to trust him. I saw a snippet of a Billy Graham sermon from years ago when he was younger. I forgot how Southern Billy sounds. I'm not going to imitate him because he is Billy. Uh, but he was preaching at a, at a big stadium and he, and he said, and he made this admission, I don't always feel Christ. I don't always feel him. Now again, Joy in Scripture is not an emotional thing. It's, it's, it's holding on to a spiritual truth and reality. But he confessed that to his mom. Mom, I don't always feel Christ. And I love what she said. I wrote this down. She said to him, whether you have feeling or not, the moments when you don't feel anything may be the very moments that Jesus is the closest because it's in those moments you're just having to live by sheer faith. And Christ is so good to just show up in those moments. We're not always going to feel it, but you hold on to him and he is faithful. And his presence and his joy will be there. And you see that in Paul's life. That Jesus is, and he says in Philippians 4 or 5, he's coming. Jesus is near. Chapter 3, verse 10, I know Jesus. I know the fellowships of his suffering. Yeah, I know the fellowship of his suffering. Prison, beatings, 
prison again. I know the fellowships of Christ's suffering. But you know what I also know? I know the power of his resurrection. I know him. That's, that's who we hold on to. Sarah and I, uh, in the last couple of months, went out of town for a, a funeral where somebody our age had, had been paralyzed in a car wreck for about 10 years and, and then passed away uh, in her sleep. And a spouse just rightly was just wrecked by that. Just deep hurt and, 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 and deep struggle. But somebody spoke into his life as he's struggling with, what, what do I do? You do what your spouse did. She held on to Jesus. And these 10 years of being paralyzed and in a wheelchair and just deep struggle, she just held on to the Lord. That's what you're going to do. You're going to hold on to Jesus. Now, there's another word we get from Paul. Holding on to Jesus is first for him. But there's another joy that can come for the person struggling with loss, for the person struggling with not feeling the Lord, for the person struggling with real temptations, whatever it might be. It's another, there's another word here, the importance and the joy of community. You see it in chapter 1, 4 through 5. You see it throughout chapter 4. We didn't even get to verse 14 where he talks about the importance of that as well. There is a joy. We've talked about this together. There is a joy that just won't come into our lives when you and I don't match Jesus's life and just give ourselves away. Even when it's a struggle, we just give ourselves away and we serve others. There's a certain joy that can only come when you and I give ourselves away in that. And you see that, by the way. If you want to go back to chapter 1, that's what Paul does. I've been imprisoned for you. I've been beaten for you. Now I'm in prison again. And listen to chapter 1, verse 4. I'm praying for you with joy. Verse 25. I want to be with Jesus, but I'll stay for your progress and your joy. Verse 25. uh, uh, Excuse me, chapter 2, verse 17. I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice, and I rejoice and share my joy with you all. He's close to losing Epaphroditus in chapter 2. I am so glad I said that name clearly. I was worried about that. If you're looking for baby names, Epaphroditus. There you go. He's worried over somebody struggling with sickness. And the Lord in his great grace, instead of it being sorrow upon sorrow, is how it says in the scriptures, he didn't take Epaphroditus from Paul. He let him live. But what do you get in chapter 2? I'm going to let y'all have him. I'm going to send him to you. There's a joy that only comes from self-giving, from releasing, from being other-centered. That's, that's for sure. But then Paul reminds us in this epistle too, there's certain joy we will not receive if we will not receive from the community of believers. And some of us need to hear this word. We'll do for others, but will you let people do for you. Here is Paul. Paul, a giant in the faith. Watch what I do for others. Watch what I teach. Watch what I heal. And what you hear throughout chapter 4 is this opportunity for you to minister to me. What a gift. What a gift. There's a certain joy that won't come into our lives if we will not allow for others to bless our lives. We've just been through Holy Week. Jesus is in his holy city, but where does he spend the night every week except the night that he's arrested? He goes over to Bethany. 
Why? Because that's where Mary and Martha and Lazarus are. But you're the son of God. You're perfect. You're filled by the Spirit. Yeah, I want to go be with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus this week. I want you three guys to stay awake with me because I'm at the point of death. Would Peter, John, James, will you stay awake while I'm praying about this cup? You see Jesus constantly putting himself in places of transparency and vulnerability with the community. Would you invest in me? That's the life of Jesus. It's a life of Paul. You see it through all the disciples. I've been reading uh, through Francis Asbury's journal as part of my quiet time and some of his letters. Francis Asbury. He's one of the first two bishops of Methodism in America. I mean, he's the guy when John Wesley said, hey, it's a revolutionary war. I want all my preachers to come home. They did. Oh, not Francis. Yeah, no, I'm not coming home. I'm going to stay here and share the gospel. He said no to Father Wesley. Just read his letters about how he was struggling with health all the time. The thousands of miles he put in on horseback. You listen to just some of the real struggles uh, uh, of, of his life, of being threatened with death because of what he went through. But you read the letters, it's the community of believers. He said, one of the people that I had preached to lost customers because he received me. Because he received a Methodist preacher, he lost business. But he said, it's the Lord who comforted us together. I comforted him, but he comforted me. Another day, he said, I was driven off by a madman who went off like a fiend. And also the weather and the elements appeared to be at war with us. I was wet. I was blistered. I was skinned. But Mr. Boyd saw us. And he saw us in our deep distress. And he led us to his house. And there he treated us very kindly. Whatever it is that we're going through, we need to be a part of a community and to be available to, vulnerable with a community and say, hey, I have a need. Would you help me? Would you pray for me? And not to let pride or low self-esteem or I don't want to I don't want to, even though you can be bugged all the time, I don't want to bug anybody. Don't let that get in the way. I may have told this story before, but I love going back to it. It's Bob Thomas. You don't know Bob Thomas. Bob Thomas played for the Chicago Bears. Um, and he was notified uh, that he was being cut by the Bears. And so what do you do? You go into the locker room and you say goodbye to everybody. You hug everybody. Say you hope to see him again. No, that's not what Bob Thomas does. Even though he was a born-again believer and he loves Jesus, I can't go in there and face those guys. Not like this. I'm broken. And so he waited to everybody to clean out the locker room before he would clean out his locker. But somebody got word of him being cut. And he waited. It was Walter Payton. And Bob came into that room thinking he was all alone. And there was sweetness waiting on him. And they just held each other and cried like babies. Uh, in that moment, in that moment, you just want to, I, I can't let anybody into this hurt. I can't let anybody know I'm tempted with this. I can't let anybody know I'm going through this. 
what Paul says to us, what we see in this story, what we see in Jesus' life, what you see in the disciples' life, what you see in Francis Asbury's life, we need the community of believers. There's a certain joy that won't come. Look at chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. You whom I long for and love my joy and crown. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. And then verse 14, it was good of you to share my troubles. How do you and I need to hear that part of this word? How is it you need to respond and to allow others to to bless you, to receive blessings from the community? To put yourself, maybe in a Sunday school class or a small group, to get an accountability partner who you can really be real with. How is it you and I need to do that? Lastly, and you know this word very well from Paul. I don't, I don't even need to share it, but it's the, import, the importance of, but also the joy of contentment. You see it really throughout chapter 4. You can go back to chapter 2, verse 5 as well. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. And you look at chapter 2. It's one of the most beautiful. Some scholars think Paul's borrowing a hymn there that talks about the humility of Christ, that he humbled himself and died for us. Just go back to chapter 2 and see what is the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ. And then Peter would say in 1 Peter 4.1, as Christ has suffered in the flesh, you arm yourselves with that same mind. To have that kind of mindset, that kind of attitude when it comes to suffering. Listen, that's hard. You listen to what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount when you get to Luke chapter 6, 22 and 23. He literally says you jump for joy when you're persecuted. I don't feel that way. But he says to have that kind of mind, that kind of heart, that kind of, that kind of attitude about that. James says, and this is the half-brother of Jesus, Count it all joy, my brother, when you fall into trials. And then you hear it as well throughout Philippians. Philippians 2.5, have the attitude of Christ. Go down to verse 15. Have the attitude that you're always pressing toward the goal. And even in chapter 4.7, our reading today, you let that peace, it's got to guard your heart and guard your mind. It's critical for us to have that attitude when we're going through a season of dryness or real struggle. Somebody had given me a book in this church, and on the very first page was a very famous uh, writing by Chuck Swindoll. Some of y'all have read Chuck Swindoll over the years. Do you remember this? Preachers have probably shared this with you, but I I like his word here about attitude. He said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, circumstances, failures, successes, what other people think, say, or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. The remarkable thing is that we have the choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. Can't change our past. We can't change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We can't change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude. Go back through this book. I encourage you to read it today. Chapter 1, again, the context is he's in prison. Chapter 2, he almost loses a dear friend. Stay in chapter 2. There's all kinds of rivalries and struggles within that body of believers. And then you get to chapter 3, and there's a temptation either to go back to legalism. I'm going to just... Push, I'm just going to push through in the flesh to please God, and that never leads to joy. That's dry, that's 
like being a Pharisee, or antinomianism. Hey, you know what? I'm saved in Christ. I can do whatever. I'll just chase after this world. And there may be, uh, sin may be sweet for, for a moment, but it will eventually become bitter and it will take the joy out of your life. Chapter 4. We forget. We forget the, the background of chapter 4. I do. What are the circumstances of chapter 4? I just go to chapter, uh, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And I just, you, 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 almost like a, a victory speech. I can go do big things for Jesus. What's the context? What does chapter 4 say? Paul says, I've been hungry. I've, I've been without. I've had humble means. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I know what it is to have nothing. And you read chapters 1 through 3. I know what it is to be on the outs with people. I know what it is to be physically persecuted for the faith. I know what it is to watch people struggle and be broken over that. All of that to say it's this mindset, this attitude. I'm going to have the mind of Christ, whether it's struggles or suffering or it's temptation and brokenness within relationships. I will not take my eye off the goal. I will not take my eye off of Jesus. So real hurts, as well as real temptations that come to all of us. How is it you and I need to, need to hold on to Christ, to just hold on to him? How is it you and I need to be more open and, and to say to a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, a small group, a, an accountability group, I need some help right now. Would you check on me? Would you, would you encourage me? Would you pray for me? How is it you and I, in the face of all this struggle that Paul really had, how is it you and I can have the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ to hold on to our joy in the midst, in the midst of real struggle and temptation? It's always going to be Jesus. And that's the one we'll sing to. That's the one. He's the one we worship. And he's the one we take with us. Precious name. It's hymn 536, verses 1 through 3. Let's stand together as we sing and as we respond.